0: I remember just going to sleep a lot and having a feeling that I just didn't know how to explain or express. And a lot of the feelings of loneliness and insecurities, not feeling any self worth, that later I kind of learned were symptoms of depression.
1: Hey everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman, one of your co-hosts. Mason isn't with us today as he is out on vacation, but today we're switching it up a bit and I'm actually going to be interviewing Mason to really give you guys a behind-the-scenes look at his whole life story. We've alluded to it a bit throughout the first 11 episodes, but today we really dive in. I act as the interviewer even though I know a lot of the background and we really get to hear really his whole life story. So, super inspirational to me a lot of the inspiration of why we started the brand in the first place and hope everyone loves it as always we talk about some serious topics on this show we are by no means professionals and are not giving advice if you or someone you know needs help please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcast enjoy the show with mason today we have a very special episode our guest today is Actually, my co-host, Mason, so (laughs) a little bit different than how we usually do it, but we felt like we just wanted to talk more about, one, how we got to doing Mad Happy, but really more on Mason's life story and and how he got to where he is today and his mental health journey because I think for me, being his friend for the last 10 plus years, I, I think I've learned a lot from it. and been uh inspired by it in many ways so hopefully uh everyone that's listening will think the same
0: yeah for sure uh thanks for having me payment yeah uh, <laughs> super I'm uh a little nervous uh, i'm a little excited i think it's been nice for both of us to be able to drop some kernels of of our experience with you guys in these first dozen or so episodes um i know we've shared a little bits and pieces of our stories but i think we're both excited to to have our own episodes and kind of get deeper into our lives and our experiences uh so you guys can understand us more as as people as friends as partners as hosts um and just have a bit more color uh for when we talk to guests and and talk about stuff that we've been through
1: yeah and i just think it's just like important to
0: yeah, like you
1: said, hear, hear our stories a, a bit more. And, like, there's a reason that we're doing this show. And some of it is personal. Obviously, we have a big mission as a brand as well. But a lot of it is personal and our personal experiences and what we're hoping, you know, people can learn from. Uh, and so, so yeah, you know, with that said, I think thank you, obviously, for doing this. I think it's, like, not, not easy, especially yeah. when, uh, you know, a lot of people potentially you're going to hear it hopefully as especially you know as as the podcast continues to grow so yeah i think you're welcome
0: uh, you're welcome for going first yeah yeah thank you
1: Uh, i think just to get into it um you touched on it a little bit but maybe like rewind the clock for us a bit of just like you know where were you born like what what situation were you born into like you know some insight there i think is a great place to start
0: for sure um Yeah, I think I shared kind of the super quick version of this on the Rami episode a bit about how my family came together. But I feel like that's a good place to start is family of origin. I think for anyone, we are the product of where we come from, for better or for worse. Uh, For me, I was born in Aspen, Colorado, actually, back in 94. Uh, My parents were pretty young at the time. Within probably half a year of me being born, uh, my biological father I think wasn't really willing and ready to be a dad at the time and and him and my mom ended up splitting up uh he went back to ohio where he was from me and my mom went back to michigan where she was from and moved in with my grandmother uh subsequently my mom got set up with this guy who they were family friends and had known each other their whole lives uh had vacationed together and and things like that were super close in in the jewish community of detroit Um, He had just gotten out of a divorce as well. Uh, He had two kids from his previous marriage. My mom had one. Uh, They started dating and I started hanging out with these kids. Then the two of them decided to get married. And my dad, who's technically my stepdad, but in the story, I'll refer to him as my dad, not my biological father. uh, The three of us moved to L.A. after they got married. Once he got a job opportunity out there and we would go once a month uh fly from la to michigan to spend a weekend with his kids and my new brother and sister who were still living in michigan with their mother uh my dad's my dad's ex-wife at the time um in the late 90s early 2000s uh my mom and dad had two kids of their own so we quickly had a family of five and then in 2002 my siblings mother and my dad's ex-wife passed away from brain cancer and the two of them moved from Michigan to L.A. to come live with us. Uh, so I was in the second grade at the time. And like I said on the Rami episode, that is the first time that I went to therapy. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the family of origin in a nutshell. I hope that all made sense and, and people were able to follow that.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll we'll definitely get more into it. I think every time I hear it, obviously, I already know your family of origin. But yeah. like I think still every time I hear it, it's pretty uh it's definitely unique i would say and so much at such an an early age i think just staying on like that really young period of time for you like do you remember any of that you know before your mom got remarried time in your life or is it just like more hazy now like
0: Yeah, yeah pretty uh pretty hazy uh no like real conscious memories but i mean through a lot of the work that i've done i've had to like Dig there and ask a lot of questions and kind of uncover those things because I think it was like such a formidable time in my life, obviously. And there was so much instability and so much change. You know, even a few summers ago when I was in treatment, I was doing some work around my biological father who I really honestly, guys, like I, I do not think about is never on my mind is never something that I feel like is weighing on me or is like a missing piece to me at all. Um, but they wanted me to kind of explore it a little bit. So so I did. And it turns out that for me, really, even though I was pre verbal in such an infant at the time, you know, that was a first example of abandonment for me that like somehow left an impression on my infant self that Made me kind of cling to my mother in that way Cling to my grandmother in that way Cling to these kind of maternal figures for safety And kind of protection and things like that That was like deeply rooted in a lot of the things that I developed In in my teenage and adult years Mainly starting with that fear of abandonment So while I don't really have any concrete memories I've, I've kind of unlocked a lot of things from that time That have contributed to such a big part about myself You know, I think in terms of the sibling dynamic We all kind of have our like roles within siblings. And I kind of went from being an only child to being the oldest of three to being the middle of five. So that was kind of just a lot of different dynamics for me of of getting attention and and having to share and being a leader and then taking more of a backseat. And I think it ultimately led to just like a lot of confusion in me in terms of like who I actually am and like how I'm supposed to behave.
1: Yeah. And I also think. of course it's like hard to remember that time but I feel like when there's like so much change happening that like you're like having to almost like grow up or process things like very quickly and going from like you know not knowing your biological father and then like having a new dad Mm -hmm. and then like having new siblings and then moving a lot like I just is there anything else like that you remember from that time that that has stuck with you or just you've uncovered during your work Um, of those like early days from like you know like when up until you were like seven or eight
0: yeah i mean ultimately i think i believe that everyone is kind of born intrinsically with with some sort of qualities or some sort of personality traits that we're all kind of given at birth you know there's like the age-old debate of like nature versus nurture i i do believe that some of those qualities we are born with so like for me i'm a natural empath and i'm a natural lover and like i have a really big heart so The thing that I kind of realized was I just wanted to take care of everyone, and I just wanted to make everyone be okay, and my brother and sister who lost their mom, I wanted to show up and be there for them. My mom who was upset about something, or my dad who had lost his ex-wife, I just wanted to show up and be there for them, and it was so much less about me, and how do I feel, and what am I going through, and more about I don't want to see people sad that I love, and I want to make sure that everyone's okay, which... Which sounds really good and nice on the surface, but it leads to developing a lot of like codependent tendencies and a lot of people pleasing and a lot of kind of fixing and a lot of psychoanalyzing and a lot of these behaviors that that I still have today that that I love about myself, but are ultimately kind of my blessing and my curse. Like So I think it's it's super interesting to look back on that time for me and, and for anyone and to look back on that time in their life and see kind of what characteristics are still playing out in present day, but just maybe in a different or or more mature way
1: yeah like like those things that you had when you're five or six are still present in some way but just like manifest differently and you've worked through
0: a lot of them so like they're
1: not necessarily like hurting
0: you or yeah and it might like your memories of them might be something inconsequential like playing with toys or or getting upset about having to go to bed or something but like those things manifest and they're like the same kind of things but are showing up in in different ways of not having motivation to build a new habit or like not being able to fall asleep on time or like things like that
1: yeah definitely i think when when i think about like the first seven or eight years of your life like it it seems like there's like already like so many like ups and downs like i think Mm -hmm. in many ways like you were also like super lucky right like that Mm -hmm. like your mom met your dad Mm -hmm. like shortly after Uh, you were born and 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 so i i feel like it's just like pretty funny because it's like consistent throughout like your life story of just like times that are really bad and then times that like obviously like there's luck and things involved that like other things work out well and just Mm -hmm. like this like seesaw almost um one thing i want to talk about uh that we touched on uh, in, in the rami episode was like you start in therapy like very early. Yeah, obviously I'd say most people haven't started therapy Like that when they're like how old were you seven. seven? Yeah Yeah, like you touched on it briefly before but like what was that experience like for you at least like in the early days? Yeah,
0: um a lot of confusion Um, just a kid who was obviously feeling things that I didn't know what they meant or how to deal with, you know I remember starting off in like the school counselor's office and just kind of asking questions Not really comprehending death, you know, wondering if 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 my mom was going to die feeling a lot of different things that I definitely needed to speak to a professional about. Um, And I'm so grateful and so thankful to have parents who really believed in mental health from a very young age to not just like tell me like it's all good and just like go to sleep or something, but kind of recognize that I was feeling something and wanted me to get help. Even at that young age, I think it's still so, so important we actually, me and all of my siblings started seeing the same therapist um, and would have family sessions and group sessions. And I think it was interesting to see everyone engage with it in a completely different way. Obviously, I know for me, it was a place that felt really comfortable and just felt really natural for me to talk about how I was feeling and express myself and, and be open with this person. And And be open to hearing what they had to say and and how i should maybe think about things in a different way or conversations that i needed to have or boundaries that i needed to set even as a seven year old kid you know it's life is a lot simpler but that's where you are building all of these beliefs about yourself and the world and other people and how you show up and how you want to act and live yeah so it's 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 been a wild ride for sure
1: yeah i think it's like Again, just, like, super unique to start that early and, like,
0: obviously have parents
1: that um, understand that it's, like, super important, right? Because there's so many things going on at once, right? Like, your siblings losing, like, their mom, like, moving to L.A., like, you know, so many things. a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, Yeah. so many moving pieces and, like, really young kids. Um, And and, and I feel like like without that, like, it would have been, I I think, much harder to just, like, even, like, understand what was going on, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. even today, like, if... If you don't go to therapy Like you've lived a lot longer So like you have experiences to relate it to Absolutely Like a lot of these things were happening for the first time Right
0: Yeah Well it was like It was an event like Something happens Go speak to someone about it It wasn't just like a general thing Like there were clear things that I was wondering and, And big life events that we had to work through So I think it was more helpful in that sense That there was a clear kind of game plan Or like thing to actually be addressed at the time
1: For sure and so I guess as you were growing up, of course, like, going to therapy, then, like, now growing up in L.A. with new technically step-siblings and then yeah. new um, half-siblings, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. um I, Like, for you, is there anything, like, of those times that you remember in terms of, like, getting along with them, like, not nah, like, your relationship with each of your siblings as you were growing up in that,
0: like, youth age range? Yeah, yeah. Um- Thinking about what you were saying earlier about, like, the luck, you know, I I do feel, like, so lucky. Like, so lucky that I was able to have a dad and, and still have a dad and grow up with a dad. So lucky that I was able to have these siblings and not grow up as an only child. We also, like, my mom never used any of the half or, like, step terms or, like, anything like that. It was always, these are my kids. It was always, these are my brothers and these are my sisters. One of my brothers is only six months older than me, Matt, who we mentioned uh, before, uh, who's really good friends with payment also, but we got to grow up since we were, I don't know, we probably met each other when we were like two or three, we got to grow up basically as twins. I mean, we, we shared a room until maybe even high school, like, like late middle school or something like that. So we have my older sister uh, who was a few years older than us. Then it was me and Matt who were basically like joined at the hip. And then we have my younger brother, Isaac, Um, And my younger sister, Lola, who were a bit young at the time. But me and Matt, like, formed a really, really strong relationship. And part of me just feeling kind of insecure and confused about myself, it's so natural for siblings to compare themselves to each other. So that's, I really got stuck in the habit of comparing myself a lot to him. And I think there were dynamics with my dad and my mom, kind of feeling really bad for Matthew and Amanda. You know, they had just lost their mom. I think they were in a super different place than we were. So the dynamics kind of, I I took on kind of this black sheep role where I kind of just felt kind of lost in the shuffle. I think I was getting a lot of blame for things that maybe weren't really my fault, or I think not to their fault at all, but like Matthew became very savvy when we would play of like, being able to place blame on me or kind of like make something my fault and know that he could kind of wiggle his way out of anything because of his situation. So I think that just led even further to kind of my confusion and not understanding why um, I didn't feel like I was getting the same sort of love or attention as these kids. Um, And I don't even think I really understood at that age that like, you know, that this, my dad isn't my real dad and he's these, these kids real dad. And like that, that's why or like that's contributing at all but I kind of felt like misunderstood and like a bit of an outcast even though there was still like so much love and so much happiness and like really positive energy and like we were such a strong unit it didn't feel like we were sectioned off into these like half or step or whatever things but yeah it was a really complicated and confusing time in terms of what's my role here and why does something just not feel right
1: yeah because I think at the end of the day like you were still technically an only child yeah um, for sure and and i guess now when i think about it it's like amanda matt and then isaac and lola both were sort of like duos in a way yeah, yeah and and especially when you're young there's like not much you can do with that mentally of just like yeah yeah like it's just like me sort of and like right right and then and then obviously like as you grow up there's differences between like you and your brother even though you're the same age and like you're better at some things he's better at something of course so then yeah. it's like the jealousy thing you know yeah. and i think that that part's normal yeah like had very similar things with with my brother too i think that's like part of like growing up but yeah but i do think yeah it's like a unique place again of like you're part of this bigger family, but, like, you still feel alone in some ways.
0: Yeah, like, it it definitely didn't help. I mean, that fact only kind of perpetuated my belief that I was so different and that I'm so isolated and that no one could ever relate to me. I mean, even, like, recently in my, like, late teenage years and, like, young adult life, I've, I've used that as kind of fuel to my fire as why no one understands me as, like, you know, I'm an only child. No one has come from this man and this woman and had this upbringing that I've had to like understand what I've been through. But, you know, that's more of my negative self-talk. I forget which episode it was that I shared the story of like what I learned in treatment of like it doesn't matter what our experiences or our upbringings or like what exactly our story is. It's like these feelings that we're all feeling are the same and, and can unite us. Like so that's an example of something that I try and tell myself whenever I get stuck in that thinking. But yeah, that definitely led to just me feeling like I didn't really belong anywhere.
1: And, again, yeah, I think, like, just to, like, emphasize, I think, like, now knowing, like, obviously both of your parents, all of your siblings Mm -hmm. very, very well, like, I think for the most part, like, everything was, like, you know, super loving and everything. So, like, not to, like, bash on it. And I I think it's just, like, important to talk about, like, your specific experience, like, from your point of view, which everyone has their perspective. um, And I think everyone, myself included, you feel like you're alone in some ways or, like, this is only happening to me, right, Mm -hmm. which is. The point of talking about it to see that, like, so many people have things in common, yeah. even if it's a totally different situation. Yeah. Um, I guess as you're growing up, talking about, like, your teenage years yeah. before getting into high school. Like, I, you know, I didn't know you then. We met right yeah. after that. Um, yeah. But, like, from what we've talked about, I, f- I, you know, I feel like, again, that was, like, a time where, like, you were learning about yourself. You are learning about the world more. How did that manifest in like your day to day life or how you're acting and things of that sort?
0: Totally. I mean, I think it started with me wanting to have a sense of identity and feel like I was good at something and feel like I belonged and I had my thing that that made me me. So my brother, Matt, like you touched on the jealousy piece, I was extremely jealous of him growing up. He was he's one of those kids who as you know is just naturally very very smart, the kind of kid who just doesn't have to study for the test and will just go in and ace it. Um, he went through puberty a bit before me, so he was just kind of a bigger, stronger kid. Um was more athletic than me even though we both love sports, you know. We used to play one on one in the backyard and and we had to have a rule that Matt couldn't couldn't go in the post because he would just go in the post and just (laughs) (laughs) score every time on me and it would just be over. So that was a rule that we had. And I couldn't really figure out what was my thing. It seemed like he kind of had everything and he was also very popular and, and we had a lot of the same friends. And then when you're kind of going through puberty in that like fifth, sixth, seventh grade time, you know, bar mitzvah season, a lot of parties, I think things start to get a bit more promiscuous and a bit more flirtatious And I started to really like talking to girls and it kind of like went off like, wow, like maybe this is my thing like this feels really, really good. Um, You know, I was a I was a handsome kid, I guess. I guess I could say Um, and girls started to like me and they started to tell me that I was cute and, and and that they wanted to kiss me and that they wanted to hang out with me and kind of things like this. And it felt so good and so validating for me at such a young age and I think was giving me a lot of feelings that I didn't have before and it was like oh shit like this this is my thing right like matt has those things that are his my other siblings have these things that are theirs like this is my thing like this is the thing that i own and the thing that makes me feel good so that's kind of what i identified myself as at an early age kind of in that like middle school range
1: yeah i definitely like felt that when we met in like you know the early high school years but also like so much of like growing up like middle school high school i feel like is like that like comparison game of like totally. this is the thing that like i'm better than most people at yeah type of thing yeah. right like for matt it was like school and like for you it was like girls and, and and i always think it's just like i guess it's like part of just like growing up and figuring it out and like it's like labels yeah like i don't think that like it's necessarily like terrible you know yeah. like i think like that's part of like your childhood of figuring it out like you're insecure about a lot of things and like obviously it's not ideal but yeah. i think it's like something that most people could relate to
0: yeah
1: I- i'm curious like so uh you know as i've mentioned before like i met matt your brother like freshman year of high school and yeah but you went to a different high school like yeah I, and and so like that's kind of how we cross paths but like what was that distinction of like oh like I'm going to go to a different school. Was that part of that, do you think?
0: Yeah, um, so we were living in Beverly Hills at the time, and Matt decided to go to Beverly Hills High School, which is the public school, and we had both been coming from a Jewish day school from K through 8, and I decided to stay in the Jewish day school pipeline and go to a school called Milken Community High School in the Valley. I think that I needed more structure and kind of the... assistance and support that like a private school provides like academically and I think Matt honestly Matt the reason that he went to Beverly I think was because he wanted to play football and like Milken didn't have a football team at the time and I guess my parents were a little bit more comfortable um, with sending him to a public school and letting him kind of play that out but for me I kind of loved it because I got the best of both worlds right I, I would go off to Milken and I would create my little world there and then I came home and 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 Matt had you and and other football players and all of our other friends back from Beverly and it's like I got to create kind of a second life there for me and it was really exciting but was ultimately pretty damaging because it became kind of secretive and I became kind of this like Puppeteer of my own life that like I could have my friends here and they don't know these things about me And then I get home and I could have my other friends here and i'm kind of this like Mysterious like floating guy, which I think like some people found kind of like attractive and cool and like I kind of Internalized that and really owned that persona To kind of be this kind of I don't know like guy like living in the shadows or something if you will
1: Yeah, it's a good point now that you bring it up. I feel like Yeah, this whole like worlds thing, which we've talked about before of just like, you know, feeling safe in like your like school bubble there. And Mm -hmm. then like being able to come home, like Mm -hmm. have different friends. And Mm -hmm. like, what do you think it was for you? Yeah, like you talked about that, like more like mysterious, like low key thing. Like what part of that, like, I guess, like felt good to you or like made you feel like safer or, you know,
0: like how how did that really manifest? I think as humans, we all instinctively want to be in control and want to have control and want to feel powerful just naturally. And I think from a very young age, I didn't feel like I had a lot of control or power in my own life. You know, I I think that's clear with how I was moving around so much and was just kind of dragged all over the country with like where I was going to live and, and, and who my siblings were going to be and, and what my family was going to look like. And then having so many siblings you know this better than anyone, but my house did kind of become the place where everyone is all of the time. Like the biggest open door policy that you guys could ever imagine, like that was my house. And we grew up with a bunch of aunts and uncles and first cousins and second cousins and just like a giant family, not to mention all of us having our own friends that were always over. Like we used to lay down three extra mattresses in the living room and there would be a dozen kids sleeping over every Friday and Saturday night. So for me, that was just another example of like, wow, I don't have control over any of this. You know, I think people started to really enjoy that. Our house was in a central location. It was super fun and there were just no boundaries at the time. So people would be in and out whether I even invited them over or not. And I didn't feel like I had any control. So I had to kind of subconsciously, I was building this world where I could have control and where I could be by myself. And I was calling all the shots and I had all the power. So I think throughout the years, as this kind of girl thing happened and I learned about it, plus I was trying to gain some control and have more authority of my own life. That was kind of the natural place for it to go of like, I can control This information and who I talk to and what I'm doing with it and how I'm sharing it and these are things that Nobody else knows and it kind of made me feel like Like the power broker of my own life where I didn't really feel like I could control any other elements besides that
1: Wow. Yeah, I know that makes sense. I think Yeah, I think it comes back to I think control is like a big thing I have realized for myself as well I think most people like want to feel in control of their life or like just like every day when you feel like it's like such a powerless position yeah you think in some cases it's good to like be able to like let go of like not having control like Mm -hmm. certain things that you can't control yeah um but then sometimes you're so like hyper focused on the things you can control yeah and i think it kind of comes back to like you know maybe it's like the the abandonment thing that like you were talking about earlier of just like you couldn't control that. Like, you, you know, you, there was a lot like you move like there's yeah. so many things. Yeah. Like, do you think that that sort of w- was what was like seeping in plus like some other factors that like made you want to like create those worlds and like feel like this powerful person?
0: Yeah, I think those are the factors that like laid the foundation. And then I think paired with like just having depression as a kid, like really kicked my ass and didn't help. And then also not feeling smart. I think for kids, there's such a big emphasis placed on school and academic performance. And like, I never felt comfortable with myself in the classroom. I was always in the slower classes, always was the kid with extra time on the test. And like, for some reason that it just creates the narrative, like you're not good enough, or you're not going to make it. Or like, if you're not getting good grades, like you're fucked, right? Or like, it's going to be a really long road for you. So then that also kind of just having me feel really down on myself and really lost and really worried about my future and just really nervous. And then what was the thing that was always there to make me feel better, you know, was was talking to a girl, you know, from an early age, it it became like a drug, like an addiction for me, like a real vice and like a medication that I could turn to that could just alleviate all this other stuff where like nothing else in the world mattered because I was feeling really good about myself because I was kind of getting a hit off of feeling wanted and feeling valued. Yeah, no. I, I, I mean, I think a lot of, like, childhood, and even today it's, like, all about, like,
1: self-esteem, of yeah. just, like, you know, loving yourself and who you are, like, outside of, like, anything else that's going on. But, like, often, like, we see, like, especially when we're talking to people on the show, just, like, how much of it is external for, like, a long period of time. So, yeah, I just think it's, like, it, it seems to be, like, this, like, common theme, you know? I,
0: I mean, I, a, part of it is, like, natural everyone wants to be liked people want to be like people want to be wanted people want people to like them and appreciate them for and sure. and make them feel pretty i think the difference for me was like that's where i was getting all my self-worth from right if it was just me i didn't feel good about myself at all so i was depending on those other things to really make me feel like i mattered at all where like those things can only be healthy when they're additives to an already existing like good relationship with ourselves, you know what I
1: mean yeah and you I mean you hinted at depression I, I guess when was the first time that you started to like have those feelings or at least like know that like you know I imagine it wasn't when you were seven and first started going to therapy maybe it was but like do you remember that
0: I remember just going to sleep a lot and having a feeling when I closed my eyes that I just didn't know how to explain or express and a lot of the feelings of loneliness and insecurities and other things of not feeling any self worth that I've been talking about that, that later I kind of learned were symptoms of depression. Um, but at the time I had no idea really what it was. And I think once I kind of got into high school and things were picking up a little bit and I started to explore with drugs a little bit and like start smoking weed and like things like that, that are kind of natural downers and depressants, um, It was kind of a double-edged sword for me because those were things that kind of made me feel good and distracted and alleviated but at the same time were playing right into that little private life of mine and that depression and kind of all of these things that were pulling me down into this pit and in my head it's like no, no no these things are lifting me up out of the pit so that's when things kind of started to get off the rails a little bit uh when I really started to learn like what this depression is and and the effect that it's actually having on me
1: and was that you would say like in high school really or
0: yeah yeah probably like 15, 15 16 years old
1: yeah cuz you know I, I think um obviously again i have alluded to this before but like when we became friends i think it was like maybe like sophomore year of high school and you know, you were sharing with me that like your parents were getting divorced and sort of like we were talking about that, which obviously was not something I had any experience with. And yeah. then you talking about your depression and, and, and more of like this mental health side of a conversation that like I hadn't been used to at all. Like, yeah. you know, that was like my first exposure to it. What do you remember from that time and like how that impacted the next couple years?
0: Yeah, I mean, the summer of 2010, my parents got a divorce and it completely Turned my world upside down. Something that I didn't see coming at all. My dad actually, I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, took me on a walk around our neighborhood. It was just me and him. Uh, and he said, me and your mother are getting a divorce. And it's because I'm gay. And that was a total shock to me. Um, I, I really couldn't believe it. And it made me question... Kind of everything that I knew, and really, just like stopped me in my tracks. You know, I think my first instinct was like, I just want to support my dad, and I just want to love my dad, and it's not a big deal at all. Um, I don't care. I'm, I'm here for you. I just want to love you. And once that kind of settled off, and I started to think about it from my own perspective, um, it just I had a lot of questions, but it also, in a weird way, kind of alleviated a lot of my confusion as a kid when I was kind of saying how when I was younger I was very confused and was very unsure of 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 kind of what the dynamics were or why I was being treated a certain way or why things were happening and to know that it's because my dad was going through this and was kind of dealing with his own demons and his own mental health struggle was like oh my god like it wasn't my fault right that was like the first time that I really felt like it wasn't my fault and I felt like I wasn't a fucked up kid or I didn't do anything wrong and it was really more okay in that sense so that was really a turning point in my life of like totally shaking up the snow globe and like some of the snowflakes that fell were weights off my shoulders and other ones that fell were anger and more sadness and more confusion but that was like a big turning point in my life and in my own mental health journey to kind of be forced to relook at things with this new information and how that could kind of steer me on a healthier path and and a better understanding of, of my past.
1: Yeah, like you went from like feeling bad for yourself and like, you know, like this whole time. And then then like now feeling bad for like your dad, which is like, obviously, like, I'm sure a weird feeling because also like you already had all those feelings did feel bad shit shitty about yourself for such a long time so like there's no taking that back but then yeah. like how are you supposed to now at you know 16 yeah. rethink about everything and like yeah. it, how that shapes like the rest of your life moving forward
0: yeah well, we naturally like for some reason we naturally just like beat ourselves up for no reason like we're all our own toughest critics right i think especially as kids you you think everything is your fault Like, you think that someone is screaming. It's like, what did I do? Or how can I make them stop? Or all of it is just like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? So, like, I totally took that on. And then when he told me that and and kind of came out, it was like, I I didn't do anything wrong. That was like someone dealing with their own shit. And I was totally internalizing it and taking it on as my own shit, even though I didn't realize that's what I was doing because I was so young. Like, that's exactly what I was doing. So, it was really eye-opening for me um and was a big challenge of like all right that's a really heavy thing like now what do i do with this information yeah and so like what did you do you know with the information like um i wasn't ready at that time to really buckle down and do the work i it was really overwhelming i just actually had ended my relationship with like my first ever real girlfriend uh, who I had been dating for like over a year probably like most of freshman year and like all of sophomore year and my whole world was just in flux that I honestly I ran away I like I left Milken after 10th grade and I decided to go to kind of like a therapeutic-ish boarding school on the east coast uh for my junior and senior year because it was just too much for me to stay in LA with everything that was going on socially uh with my family I just didn't feel kind of safe there or like understood there I I knew that I wanted to leave Milken and and I was planning on going to Beverly right like that was the plan I was so excited I was about to go be at school with all of my best friends and I just couldn't do it I I don't think that I was ready um I was really scared to go there for some reason I was really nervous to enter the public school system for the first time in my life I think I was worried that I would flunk out or I wouldn't be able to go to college or kind of all of these things. So yeah, I, I ended up kind of running away from it all. Yeah. I I definitely remember that happening. (laughs) Um, and obviously like I was excited when
1: I thought you were going to Beverly. And then like, I think everyone, all of our friends were a little shocked when like you were going to boarding school, like on the East coast, like really far away. Yeah. going to be here way less. And I think in a lot of ways, like it sort of, I don't know what was that then time for you right like being away right that was sort of your first time outside of like going to like camp and stuff like mm-hmm. being away for an extended period of time being in a new environment like yeah again i think added to the whole like you had a new world there now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of all, all of what you've been talking about but what was that experience like you know right before like college-ish years
0: yeah um i mean i think you hit it right on the head i was able to again redefine myself and go show up in connecticut whoever i wanted to be this this kid from la and i could put on any face i wanted to put on i could tell whatever story i wanted to tell i could yet just have another kind of group of friends and people uh that didn't know the other group and weren't affiliated with them at all you know if i was talking to other girls at home oh these are new girls that i could talk to here that that they don't know each other so there's no way that i'll ever get caught or like i get to totally redefine myself and continue to kind of compartmentalize my lives to create as many kind of buckets and security blankets as i can so that there's no way that i could ever be by myself again or there's no way that i could ever have no options or no places to get love or to get affection or to get any attention and i didn't even realize it at the time but a lot of the kind of values and principles that, that they were teaching at this school are, are things that I really truly value now to this day. And I think are a lot of things that I keep in mind as, as we continue to build Matt happy. And even just thinking about like the moral compass of, of ways that I want to build my life. So I'm super grateful for my time there ended up like improving in school a bit. Um, and was able to like apply to like a bunch of colleges and like, and get into a few, So it definitely had its pros and cons in terms of helping me in certain areas of my life, but also kind of feeding some of those darker ones as well.
1: Yeah. It's definitely such an interesting time. And again, just like show sort of like, you know, you kind of alluded with like the girls thing of just like wanting love and wanting like acceptance Yeah, and that just kept coming up in in, in many different ways. Like, do you think that like, you know, looking back at that time, like, do you think going to boarding school, like. Was the right move. Obviously, it's like hard to like look back. Yeah. But I'm curious, like how you think about that now, because obviously there were a lot of pros, Mm -hmm. but like obviously also some cons. Like, how do you think about that time?
0: Yeah. um, I've never actually had to think about whether it was the right move or not, which is crazy. Um, I think from an academic perspective, it was absolutely the right move. I think the one regret that I have is just kind of the whole thing. How I was saying like I ran away, you know, I think that going there allowed me to kind of get off the hook for a lot of things that i wanted to leave and just be like okay bye i don't want to talk about this i don't want to deal with this and that's that behavior and habit of doing that has followed me a lot into my adult life and is something that i'm even still really struggling with to this day honestly is like holding myself accountable finishing things that i start like following through you know Even if I'm having a really hard time, you know, I'm not saying suck it up or anything like that, but like work through it, see it through, finish it out, have the hard conversations, have the hard nights where you can't sleep. So I think of that and like a couple other instances in my life where I did that and I don't regret it, obviously, but I just wish that if I hadn't done those things, I think I would have like built this other muscle that I don't really have right now that it's now a lot harder for me to kind of build.
1: It's harder, and then it's also harder to. I feel like as you get older, it gets harder to like run away too. Yes. So then, then you like feel like this like weird spot of like I'm not used to this, but also like Just I can't like do absolutely anything. Absolutely stuck. Yeah. And like I've never felt like this before. Um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously, like I think, I believe everything like happens for a reason, and mm-hmm. it's like defined what happens next in so many ways for you. So like you, we wouldn't be here today if like those things didn't happen. Totally. Totally. um, But yeah, I was always interested in, in how you thought about that. So I think to then move on to sort of the college time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, do you, do you want to just touch on like how your boarding school experience ended? And then,
0: yeah. So uh, I wanted to go to Michigan so bad. My whole family's from there. I grew up just rooting for the football team and, and the basketball team. That was like my dream school. Uh, wasn't smart enough to get into there, so then I kind of just like went through like kind of the Big Ten pipeline of like Michigan, then Wisconsin, then Indiana, uh, which is where I ended up getting in, which is like an amazing school, obviously. And and I went there as a freshman. Um, I had a couple friends from LA. Um, obviously you and like all the rest of the homies were like in the Big Ten still, so it just kind of felt good. It felt exciting. It felt like this new chapter. Um, I think I felt proud of myself to be able to get into college. I felt excited uh, that I was attending and really doing it. I showed up as a freshman and and started rushing and started pledging and, and joining a fraternity and all these things and was so welcomed and I felt like I was making great friends and had a great group of guys. classes were like I, I wasn't paying any attention to them. I had no direction or motivation or anything in that department. you know it really just was kind of a social experience those first few months and I kind of stopped and started to see what was going on and really assess how I felt and was looking at some of the upperclassmen uh, that I was hanging out with or, or that were rushing me or whatever. And it kind of seemed like they were doing stuff that was really similar to what like we were doing as freshmen. And I just kind of took a step back and thought if this was something that I really wanted to do and thought about, how big of an investment it was both from a time perspective and a money perspective. And it just didn't feel right for me. Okay. Simultaneously, as this was going on, I had a girlfriend back home that things were complicated with. We were on and off and all these different things. I, I wasn't being faithful in the relationship and I was still so in love and so tied to this girl as like one of those security blankets that I built for myself that I wasn't willing to let any of them kind of, go at the time. So that paired with what I was kind of seeing and not feeling like I really had a place there. You know, I had a conversation with my parents of like, I think I want to come home. This doesn't feel like it's the right path for me. This doesn't feel like it's the right choice for me. Um, And I'm super grateful to them that they were open to that conversation. Um, And I ended up leaving after my first semester of freshman year and coming back home which now even saying it out loud, it seems like another example of kind of running away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I just remember from that time was like, again, like I,
1: I, I feel like I was pretty like shocked that you left. Yeah. Um, and obviously I didn't know all the details or whatever, but, but yeah, like I thought again, like from an outsider's point of view, it was like a great setup, like good friends at school, yeah, all yeah, of that. totally. Um, and, and then it just like all of a sudden, like, shook up a lot Mm -hmm. um and and you're right yeah like it does feel like that like theme of like it wasn't right or whatever and so yeah he wanted to like you know go to a different place
0: yeah something that i just actually have been talking about recently in therapy is like obviously when i was growing up my mom was like my everything like still is like huge mama's boy like huge rock always wanted to just protect me and take care of me and make me feel safe you know as Just me and her went back to Michigan after my bio dad left or even growing up when my dad was going through all the stuff that he was going through and, like, me kind of feeling like an outcast with the siblings, and I kind of learned from a young age that, like, she loves me so much and cares about me so much that, like, I'm going to be able to get away with whatever I want and, like, really learned to manipulate her and, like, use that as a weakness and, like, take advantage of her in that way that, like, any time I was at kind of... That crossroads and I just wanted to quit Like I can convince my mom To let me quit you know so I think That's kind of What I did in part when I went away to boarding School then also in part When I left college as well
1: Yeah and I feel like your mom was doing That obviously with these like great Intentions because like you're in a position Where like yeah you never really knew Your biological dad like all of a sudden You had a new siblings new dad all this stuff And then obviously in some Ways it made you act differently and like totally you know use that to your advantage in some ways which yeah. is weird to say but yeah. but yeah i think i think again like that led to i guess like another chapter of your life right like i feel like my chapters were pretty like straightforward like i went to high school then i went to college yeah um, and i think like you obviously had a lot of different ones in each each phase like when you came back did you have this like feeling of of like guilt and like shame of just like i like i left college after like one semester
0: like how are you processing that yeah i think well first of all i think any one who's listening who is in high school before or college or anything like that there's there's a million different ways to kind of grow up and and do this thing i don't think there's any way that's right or wrong there's obviously the most popular way like payment just described of like high school college job kind of boom 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 but that's not the way for everyone and that's not the only way to to have success and and to find happiness and to kind of do that so i think i learned a lot in exploring alternate ways to kind of grow up and learn um which i think is like super valuable and like a super important message for everyone to know that like it's okay to do it differently. Yeah, to take a step back and assess if, does this feel right for me? Just because everyone else is doing it this way doesn't mean that I have to. But for me, that's probably when I first started really dealing with my depression a lot. Like my substance, you started to pick up a lot. I came home and obviously didn't really have any direction. You know, like one of my parents' main things of allowing me to leave college was like, you're either going to get a job or you're going to stay in school. Somehow so I came back and I started taking community classes at SMC Which like we had a lot of other friends from beverly who went that path after graduation So I didn't feel like I was totally alone there, but just the freedom and the lack of structure I just like went off the rails, you know I, feel I was, it was like, just
1: like a recipe for disaster. In it was some a, ways, yeah
0: Like you said you didn't have any motivation
1: to like do anything school related Yeah due to your depression and or just like lack of interest in that. So yeah and then, like, to come home and, like, be able to do whatever you want. I just feel like it was, like, impossible.
0: Yeah, to be able to stay up as late as I want, sleep in as late as I want, have, like, these kids who were home who, like, I could, you know, go get high with or or go party with. You know, I still had girls who were still in high school at the time that I had relationships with. You know, I had a girlfriend who, you know, I in part left college for that I was, like, still trying to win over. So, like, we were still talking and I was still trying to, like, not let that piece go because... You know, I without this girl telling me that she loved me and wanted to be with me, I, I didn't even feel like I could live anymore. Or I didn't even want to be on this earth or even get out of bed if I didn't have something like that. And I don't think I realized the stakes of it at the time. But it was like all of these things that had happened that were kind of building up as like this big kind of pot of like witch's brew or something that just kept kind of spinning and was like slowly starting to boil over. You were mentioning that, like, the depression really was, like, kicking in more here
1: because, again, like, you felt like you didn't have a direction. And then, like, that sort of led to more of, like, the substance abuse side of things.
0: Yeah, I think that was just, like, I need as many things to make me feel better as often as I can get them. And I think I, you know, was exhibiting some traits of other, like, personality disorders that I've, like, flirted with and, like, come to learn more about in my adult years. But just, like, really, like, isolation, like, social anxiety self-sabotaging behaviors that like i couldn't consciously understand why i was doing these things and why i was hurting these people in like these ways but i just was and had literally no control over it so a lot of these other pieces that i now can label as x y and z whatever addiction whatever disorder that i can make sense of now but just had no idea of at the time and didn't really have anyone who was checking me or holding me accountable or like you know, the most important thing we talk about with everyone is, like, support system, and I had absolutely none.
1: Yeah, and I feel like you started from a place of, like, going to therapy when you were seven, all the stuff, and it feels like a big support system, and mm-hmm. then, like, you came home and then, like, still felt, like, alone in a lot of
0: ways. Yeah, well, I still had, like, the, the, the picture-perfect family, and I think that I was still, like talking about my stuff. I wasn't like running around. Like I was the happiest guy in the world. I was still being honest with my feelings. I was still kind of wearing a heart on my sleeve, all these things that are just part of who I am. But you know, maybe those things almost were able to hide a lot of what was really going on and under the surface.
1: Yeah. And so around this time, obviously you started to work with my brother Noah on, uh, on, um, in a pair line that you guys started before Matt happy, but I guess was that an outlet for you? Like, did you see that as like a positive thing?
0: For sure. Um, you know, obviously, I stopped doing the the community college thing. I can't remember which one came first, but like, I started to get other jobs. I was like driving for Postmates, and and your brother Noah, um, who's two years younger than us, was still was still in high school at the time, or like was still living in L.A. at the time, and we had kind of connected on just a more kind of creative, like homey kind of level and just had the idea to kind of start something together I think it was definitely a big outlet for me and something that made me feel excited when like nothing else in life really made me feel excited and you know my dad is a super creative person and I feel like I've always kind of had that bone in me and I think it's interesting because I don't think either of us were really like obsessed with fashion like necessarily from the get-go I think we were both just like creative kids with ideas that wanted to express ourselves and living in LA and and kind of having access to the things that we had access to. Fashion was just kind of the easiest and most accessible outlet at the time is like go to downtown, get a white tee and like screen print like your message or like or your brand on it. So I think that kind of gave me a sense of purpose outside of of my addictions and behaviors for the first time ever. I, I really never felt like I had something like that before then.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it was just super super important at the time even if it like didn't end up being anything like huge i feel like from what i remember like both of you guys worked really hard on that yeah um at the time i felt like both of you guys didn't really have anything that like i've you guys did work super hard on so it was like one of those things that to like like
0: have that kind of ownership yeah that i was talking about like this is this is mine and we did this and we own it and we're kind of calling the shots and it just kind of feels like our baby in that way
1: which i think was super important for you at like a time that did feel like a real low yeah um and i I guess like fast forwarding a bit like just over those next couple years that you were doing that and you know obviously we ended up starting mad happy in late 2016 early 2017 but was it just more of that just more of like living continuing those like behaviors that like were detrimental working on this brand with with noah and trying to figure it out
0: yeah i mean i think around that time like i was saying i use that reference of like the witch's brew it was kind of just more and more and it's like a very slow build but these things were just happening and going unaddressed and i was continuing to just build this web of lies and this kind of secret world and having it go deeper and deeper um obviously getting into different relationships Falling in love, uh, kind of really building super strong connections to one girl in particular and like putting all of my self-worth and happiness and life into this person, you know, where I wasn't feeling any of those things on my own and it was super unfair of me and like super manipulative and like things that I didn't realize at all at the time And, and obviously... It doesn't mean that that the love or that the relationship was like fake at all, but I was just not doing it for the right reasons. I was doing it to really fill a hole in my life where I now view relationships as like two full people kind of coming together and sharing their lives instead of having somebody else be your life. So that was going on. Obviously, our our first company kind of failed uh, before we started mad happy. I had like a real low point that i shared when i kind of told the story of the name of just like fuck man like i shouldn't have dropped out of school what am i doing i have no no direction no motivation or anything i think this is when i started to like understand anxiety a bit more too like paired with the depression of like some of these feelings of like it's not going to work out like all this negative self-talk taking everything on like just kind of that tight chest and like your heart racing and kind of things like that really starting to notice it and feel it in my body, you know, I was smoking a lot of weed, like, every single day, like, not just at nighttime, but, like, in the morning, too, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic, but I was definitely drinking to, to really drink, you know, like, never just having a casual beer, or, like, things like that, you know, I started to kind of dabble in some other sort of drugs, whether they were pills, or, like, other things like that, you know, like, Adderall was, like, super, super popular at the time, Xanax was, like, a super popular drug at the time, like, really, like, dangerous, Things that were just like numbing me, like ultimate numbing me. But at the same time, I think people stopped to really question because Mad Happy was born and we had this really cool thing that people were really excited about. Well, yeah, I think I think it's it's almost
1: funny or just like a crazy just like way things happen. like When you sent that text of and thought of this name Mad Happy and this like idea behind what eventually became the brand. I think like that was like one of the lowest points or times in your life. Yeah. And it just so happened to be the start of the brand. Yeah. But like even as the brand for the first <laughs> year or two, you know, started to pick up and started to grow, like you hadn't at all yeah. changed from yeah. that low point really. Yeah. Like, obviously you had some like external things that like felt better probably, but you were still in the same place yourself.
0: Yeah. I would always do the work and never finish the job. You know, I I was still in and out of therapy through all this. I was talking to my friends as you know, like it's not like I was just I'm the happiest guy in the world and nothing is wrong, but I would never finish the job. I would do 50% of the work. I would do 60% of the work, 70% of the work and think that that was enough and then slowly over time just kind of regress and like fall back into these habits and never really complete it. And not even that it was really something to complete that way, but never just fully commit and and, and be all in.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of that was evident too of just when we did start working on Mad Happy together of just yeah. like there was still a lot that you were going through of just trying to figure out like what your place was, whether like within the company f- for the long term or mm-hmm. what your place was just like in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously it eventually led to like your – I would say your lowest point mm-hmm. um, in, in your life. Um, and and again, it's just like crazy to me that it was at a time where like externally it like, you know, things were going well. Like you were working on something like full time. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, to share more on that, I think would be great.
0: Yeah. I mean, no one ever really knows what is going on. With someone, I think that we've like tragically seen these examples with, you know, certain celebrities in the last few years, be it Tony Bourdain or or Kate Spade or kind of people like that who seemed like they were on top of the world and like had some of the best jobs in the world and had all their dreams come true. And it doesn't matter what's going on if you don't feel right inside. And those sort of external things aren't really what makes someone happy or make someone feel Fulfilled, um, and around that time, I had a really bad breakup with a girl who I was madly in love with, who I was convinced that I was going to marry, that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Someone who I had put all of my happiness and self worth eggs into this basket. The breakup was my fault because I was dishonest in in the relationship, and it was funny because this relationship ended nearly identical to how my previous relationship had ended both with girls who I thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life with even at a young age I'm just that type of of lover or like love addict I guess that that's how I was kind of viewing these things as like let me cement this in stone for life so that I never feel alone or something like that and when that happened to me I you know first I did whatever I possibly could to try and get this girl back. Right. And then when I realized that that wasn't going to happen and I had to like respect her and, and kind of step away, I felt like I had absolutely nothing. I didn't care about mad happy one bit. I didn't care about my family. I didn't care about anything that was going on. I felt so alone and I felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. And I had a lot of suicidal ideation and was in a super scary place. Um, Around that time I went to my first ever SLAA. Meeting, Which is sex and love addicts anonymous and that felt good, you know, I, I had never learned what that was before that addiction and I completely identified with it in every single way. So like those meetings felt good, but it was like the only hour of my day where I felt any sort of peace or company and I was even starting to go to two or three meetings a day sometimes and it was the only thing that made me feel good every time where I wasn't in one of those rooms, I just didn't even want to be here anymore. Uh so ultimately kind of like a week of that led to like a suicide attempt that I had where I kind of didn't feel like myself, didn't recognize who I was in that moment. It almost feel, it felt like another version of myself came in and kind of took control of my body and I almost like turned myself over to this darker side of me that clearly has always been there. And there was a moment where I just kind of like snap back into reality and into my body and didn't know where I was or what I was doing and was scared shitless out of my mind and immediately drove to my mom's house and told her what had happened and started crying and and she called my dad over um and we were all you know I'll I'll never forget this all just lying in bed together and I was like I need to go get some help I need to go away and get some help um so that's kind of the story of of that.
1: Yeah, I definitely remember uh that time. It was like a super like scary time, obviously yeah. when you when you shared that with me, but also just like really like seeing you in that place. I feel like all the other times, yeah, I just had never seen you like that. Obviously, I, we had been through a lot of challenging times in in each other's lives by that point, but yeah. um it definitely did feel like the lowest 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 point ever. Um Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't sure, obviously, when you told me, you know, you told me you were going away to get help. I felt like that was like the only possible move.
0: I think like for me, it was just so scary because of how quickly I ended up there. Like I was never someone who had those kind of thoughts before or even thought about things like that before. And then within a week or, you know, 10 days, I was in a place where that felt like the only solution and was something that I was convinced that was. What I wanted to do that, you know, this will be easier on everyone. This will be easier on payment and the rest of my partners. This will be easier on my parents. This will be easier on my friend. You know, I'm not, I'm not adding any value to anyone's life. I'm only fucking everything up and getting in my own way and just hurting people who really love me and care about me. So I think looking back on it, that's kind of the biggest thing for me, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing my story and really doing this work is because I understand how quickly things can kind of turn and get very scary if we're not talking about things and if we're not really expressing ourselves and kind of asking for help. Yeah, because it was
1: for so long that, like, you know, you knew you were depressed, you knew you needed help, but, like, you're right, it did, like, very quickly turn to this, like, as dark of a place as it could get, like, quickly. And I also think it's, like, obviously you've shared your story a lot, but uh, I also don't think that, like, You've shared that part of it yeah. before, really, and yeah. I think it's like a, it's even an additional layer of just like, like you're way more comfortable sharing all the other stuff and completely, and, and so it's just like, I think it's like, you know, so many people just don't know that like these things are happening, and yeah, like, yeah, know, there, yeah. There is something on the like other side, like of what you're able to find, like by going away and getting
0: help. Yeah, I mean that was. The other part that I think about when I look back on it is like the worst part of my life is is the best part of my life. And I know that sounds like kind of bullshit or like, how is that even possible? But it's it's really, really true. And I really believe it because from there I went away for a few months to an amazing facility and did all of this work that I was never strong enough to do before. And sadly, it took something so big and dark like that for me to really address it. When I was there, kind of like how I was saying earlier, I would only do 50, 60, 70% of the work. That's where I kind of completed 100% of the work and really went back and learned about myself and was able to talk to professionals and get some diagnoses about what was going on with me and really be able to look at my life as a whole, look at where I wanted to go and really set up a treatment plan for even when I left that I'm still kind of executing and working on to this day of like you are someone who struggles with mental health issues. This is going to be going on for the rest of your life and this is how you're going to have to actively work on it because sadly you struggle with these things and it's a pretty slippery slope to to ending up back here and that was a big enough of kind of a wake-up call for me to really just be more dedicated to helping myself and building this support system.
1: Yeah. I think I remember, I think you were gone for three or four months maybe. Um,
0: and we didn't really talk in that time. Yeah. I didn't like have a phone or anything like no laptop, no Wi-Fi, really no communication besides just like a landline that I would maybe call my parents on like once a week or something.
1: Yeah. And I just remember, of course it like felt weird to me of just not knowing, um, you know, not knowing how you were doing. Yeah. Obviously like we, we were still like in LA, like trying to run the company and it just like, was just this weird time because like our biggest mission as a brand is to like illuminate these things, talk about them more. And like one of our partners and like, just like more importantly, like one of my best friends was like going through about the worst thing you could be going through, I guess at that time. So it just always like stuck with me for that, for that reason. And, and I think it just like, made me feel like what we were doing at Mad Happy was like even more important even though it was kind of like also not important at all cuz mm-hmm. like, it was just a company and it wasn't like anything like you know it
0: wasn't life
1: um yeah. and so yeah. i don't know it was just it was just eye opening even for me like of that experience even though i wasn't there um i think that always stuck with me
0: yeah for sure i think i've even still struggled with like when i got back my motivation was at like an all time high right i was like so dedicated to like all these new habits that i had picked up there and like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm eating better i'm working out i'm i'm going to therapy x amount of times a week i'm meditating all this stuff and i even still struggle with now kind of keeping up that routine and that attention to taking care of myself when it's not panic mode or when i'm not really really struggling is like now my biggest challenge is like the constant maintenance of even when things feel pretty good or even when it's smooth sailing that doesn't mean that it's a time to take a day off or to not or to think that your mental health isn't important that day you know for me that's a reminder that like it's even more important yeah. because it's because of that that i'm able to have these kind of days where the seas are a bit more calm so i think looking back it's like just interesting to me how so many themes of my life keep repeating themselves and i think will continue to repeat themselves but it's kind of how i Deal with them and like what tools I can pull out of my, you know, emotional and mental toolbox that can help me kind of attack them because I've learned that none of these things are really going to go away. My depressions not going to go away. My insecurities aren't going to go away. All my childhood experiences aren't just going to go away. They're somewhere stored in our bodies and our brains and and are filed away deep in our file cabinets and, and we'll get triggered and we'll get pulled up at different times in our life for different random things. And it's about really... Sitting with them and listening to them and addressing with them instead of just like kicking that file cabinet shut and pretending like this isn't happening.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's, it is important to note that, of course, it's like hard to keep like every habit you make like during that time. Like, I don't think that that's absolutely realistic. Yeah. Like, there's times where like you have this crazy motivation and like motivation just like more comes and goes. But I think, you know, your biggest commitment was obviously like being sober. Which yeah. Is, like, you've been sober now for, Three over three years. Yeah. And then just, you know, some of the other work that you've been doing to like you said maintenance and just like continue to continue
0: to work on it. Right. For sure. I mean, getting sober was like a huge thing. And I have an interesting relationship with sobriety because, like I said, I I never really considered myself an alcoholic or I don't think that anyone would have said that that I really had a drug or alcohol problem. But for me, it has always just been about I know that I deal with a lot of shit that makes life feel really hard for me and I want to set myself up uh, to be in the best position to succeed. So there's so much in life that we can't control like we were talking about earlier and we have to be hyper focused and pay attention to the things that we can control. And for me to set myself up for the best chance of succession is like I am going to control these things that I can I know drinking isn't going to lead me anywhere good. I need to cut that out. I know that smoking really just perpetuates my depression and just leads me to a darker place and will likely lead me to some self-sabotaging behaviors that won't be good for me and that I know from my past where this will kind of go. I need to cut that out. Other certain friends when I got back from rehab or other certain people from my past that I knew could kind of open some of those doors i had to cut out so it was really for me about world building of let me really build my world let me set this up it's still going to be really hard and i still might fuck it up but this just like gives me the best odds
1: for sure yeah i think it was just like you were like finally being like accountable to something exactly and just like not letting the things that you used to use to run away like the drugs or girls or whatever like yeah be like things you could do now yeah which i think like i mean is, is like the, i think one of the biggest takeaways of just like how you're able to go from somewhere of like doing that all the time using that as a crutch over and over over, over again and then now being in a place where yeah obviously you still have challenging times like that's never going to go away but i think in some ways it, it's become more manageable and like you're again using the things you can control to like create an environment that like makes it easier for you to be on that path.
0: Absolutely. And, and we'll end with this uh, that I want to share with you guys kind of an allegory to self and life that, that I've come up with that has really helped me uh, that I've shared with a lot of people and, and and I know has been helpful for some is I kind of view my existence in myself as a tree and as this big beautiful tree with a strong trunk and all these branches and all these green gorgeous leaves that have grown off and you know the soil is nice at the base of it and it looks great and it looks very beautiful on the outside and growing up when these kind of flags would kind of come and you know i i know i'm kind of smoking too much i should kind of cut that habit or i know i need to stop you know sexting this girl when i'm in a relationship i i really shouldn't be doing that cut that habit and What I was doing was I was cutting off branches of my tree were all my habits. I'm going to cut off this branch. I'm going to cut off that branch. I'm going to cut off that branch. And what I meant by only 50 or 60 or 70% of the work is like, that was me chopping down a branch, right? What happens after you cut down a branch on a tree, it's going to grow back. And all of those kept growing back. And I wasn't actually doing the work. And when I went away to treatment was the first time that I started to think about, all right, these branches keep coming back, right? What's the way that I can really take these branches out and not have them come back was to go underground and look at the roots of my tree, right? So we have these roots underneath that no one can see that are underground, but are really where everything comes from, where the trunk and where all the branches and all these things grow and manifest out of these roots. And for me, that was my childhood. That was these beliefs about myself. And it wasn't until I was really able to go underground and dig out some of these roots and cut out some of those that i was able to stop these branches from continuing to grow so i i think that's a nice way for me that i've been able to kind of look at things and i think for other people it's a nice way to kind of just understand why you might not be seeing changes and other ways to kind of approach deeply rooted behaviors and habits in a more kind of practical way
1: yeah i think that's a great place to leave it yeah thank you for sharing the story i know It's going to help a lot of people i know it's not easy yeah Uh, i'm sweating right
0: now yeah and and (laughs) and,
1: uh and you know hopefully everyone just was able to take even one thing away i think it's like a very powerful story and just like where you can get to over time if you do what you need to do to like get on the right path
0: for sure i mean this this i even feel you know even though i'm sweating and my heart's beating a little fast now it does feel really good to talk about these things and p like thank you for just you know allowing us to to do an episode like this and and just being really here and like listening really well um and being patient with me and all these things i i I really enjoy hosting this show with you and i hope that we can do an episode like this for you soon as well
1: (laughs) of course yeah thank you uh hope everyone um hope everyone you know enjoyed it and 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 yeah hopefully learned something and we'll talk to everyone next week see you guys We also want to remind everyone that mental health is an ongoing process and is something that takes daily work. As always, you can visit us at localoptimist.com backslash to learn more. And if this episode was more distressing to you in any way, please reach out to the 24 7 National Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or text HOME to 741741 in the US and Canada to learn more. If you want to support the show, please follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. Tune in next week for our conversation with where we talk about, you guessed it, mental health. See you next time.
0: The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.